Yeah, brother, let me be your shelter. You may sit down. Good morning, everyone. Uh, online, I especially want to say hello to you. Thank you for adjusting uh, your times in your life. You woke up this morning, so I thought it was 1025. When 930, 11, well, it's both. And uh, going forward, if you're an online person, uh, every weekend on Sunday morning, 930 and 11, uh, you can join us in this way. But you also saw the times. If you're ready and your family is ready uh, to get back into the house, you feel like it's a good time for you personally, man, we'll welcome you uh, next weekend with open arms. Wh wherever you are, online or in the house, I invite you to have your Bibles to turn them to uh, the book of Job. The book of Job, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, we're going to be throughout the scriptures this morning. We're going to be all over the place. If you want to take notes, you're going to be some places you're going to want to do that. Uh, next weekend, kind of give you a heads up, uh, we're going to start studying uh, the book of uh, the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And, and I think you're going to find some interesting twists and turns, some things about that that you didn't know. It just seems appropriate in this season uh, that we camp out there for five or six weeks, but that's what we're going to do. Uh, this morning, we are winding down our message series, a little two-week mini-series, looking for the good. Uh, and this morning, it's uh, being relentless encouragers. So if we could, let's begin in prayer, then we're going to dive in. Uh, God, we are assembled here all, all over the place. We have some people in the house this morning. And then all around our community, scattered in their homes, some in the hospitals. We have people in different states, God. Uh, even some folks in some other countries. And wherever they are, God, I pray that you would open your, as we open up your word, God, that, that you would encourage our hearts and you would build up our faith uh, so we truly can be the church, God. Not a building, but be your church. That, that we might be shining your light in the world. Uh, that we might be lifting up your truth, God. Uh, that we might be loving people so well, God, that they would just fall in love with your son, Jesus. And God, we pray that wherever there's a home, wherever there's a house, wherever there's a community, that just so filled with negative, toxic stuff, God, uh, that you would encourage them this morning through your word with some good news. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, we're going to dive right into your message notes. So if you're taking notes, uh, the very first thing we're going to have here is that everyone is fighting a battle in their life. And then that means everyone. Uh, everyone that you see. Uh, is fighting a battle that you may not see. It may not be obvious to you. You may not be seen on the outside. Uh, you look at the outside and everything seems to be okay and they're all happy. But I promise you this, I want to repeat, everyone, everyone you come across, everyone who crosses your path, they're fighting a battle in their life even though you can't see it. Uh, kind of like a, a long-time, old-time friend, I'll call him J.D., uh, J.D., on the outside, happy, go, lucky, uh, fun-loving guy. Uh, he, we played on the same City League softball team together. Uh, so you can, he, he played with reckless abandon. He had joy. He loved the game. But he, shockingly, he pulled me aside after one game. Uh, late at night, 10 o'clock, and he just said, man, Rick, I, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that this world and my family would be better off without me. And I went, Huh? I mean, so caught me off guard. And then he kind of went on and kind of told me about how he had watched and observed uh, his mother be beaten by his dad uh, while he was growing up, how he never invited over friends over his house so he could protect the family secret. 
and how he learned how to go to school and among his friends and pretend that on the outside that everything was great and okay, but on the inside, uh, he was uh, frightened. Uh, he was worried. Uh, he was all stressed out and anxious. He has come to the conclusion that the world and his family, the hurt and pain he was seeing was so bad that he would just take his own life. Now, J.D., he was only 20, uh, pretty young. He kind of believed. He had no church affiliation of any kind. He had zero practices, any spiritual practices in his life. Uh, I was a young youth pastor, uh, wet green behind the ears. I had no experience in responding to someone who had just informed everyone, hey, I'm going to commit suicide. Uh, no experience at all at that. So I just kind of threw a Hail Mary prayer up to God, going, God, uh, uh, what do I do here? And so thank goodness, you know, we hung out there for a little bit. I was just able to say, hey, best thing I could say was, hey, J.D., uh, just make me a promise you won't kill yourself tonight. Uh, just make me a promise. Uh, make me a promise that you'll make it through the night, and you'll meet me in my office tomorrow morning, and we'll go from there and see what happens. So he made the promise. And I must have prayed all night long, hoping that I did the right thing, that I would wake up and I would see him, and he would show up. And sure enough, he did. His, his car drove up, and I was so relieved when I saw him driving up. And he got out of the car, and I ran up and just started hugging him. Remember when you could just run up and start hugging people and not care about it? I mean, you could just hug him anytime, anywhere, just hug, hug. And I'm just hugging him, holding on to him and everything like that, and going, now, what do I do now? You know, and uh, i still not sure. I was going to my office, and I felt God nudge me. And so I, he's 20 years of age. He was 20, only 20. And God nudged me and said, I want you to tell him to double his age and come up with 40 reasons why uh, that he mattered to God. And so I said, okay. As we got my, I said, I feel like God has asked me, uh, J.D., to, to ask you to give me 40 reasons, your age times two, and 40 is a good biblical number, by the way, uh, 40 reasons as to why your life matters, uh, why you are valuable, why you should live. And so I said, give me something, and I'll write them down. And uh, I said, okay, go. He said, I got nothing. I said, wrong answer. That's not an okay answer. Give me one thing, one thing that you're good at. He said, I'm pretty good at playing ball. He was. I said, okay, I am good at playing ball. I wrote that down. I said, give me another one. He looked at me deadpan and said, uh, okay, uh, I'm funny. I'm going, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> You've never been funny, but I didn't say that, right? I couldn't say that then. That'd be the wrong timing. So I just said, kind of said okay. And I wrote down, I am funny. I wrote that down. I said, tell, give me another one. He said, I look like John Travolta. Now, this is in the 70s. Uh, he did not look a thing like John Travolta. I mean, by any means. But I just said, okay. I went with it. I said, okay. I uh, look like John Travolta. He just kind of kept on giving me some things. And he kind of got kind of got in the early teens and and uh, he was saying some stuff. He kind of grinned and smiled. He kind of getting the feel of it. He said, oh, oh my, my mother uh, says I'm loyal. Uh, my, my sister says I'm a good big brother. My, my boss says I'm a hard worker. And he's kind of going. He gets into his 20s, in the 20s, of writing, just writing them down. And he starts just sobbing, just sobbing, reason after reason. I mean, we blew past 40, and I'm just writing them down and everything like that. We got finished and uh, folded up that yellow sheet of paper. And I gave it to him, and I said, I want you to read these every single day the reasons why you should live. I'm going to pray that God puts these in your heart, that you just deeply embedded within your heart. And he left. 
Well, over time, I lost track of J.D. I, I fall in love. I get married. Dallas and I moved to Odessa uh, there for about three, four years. Wind up coming to Burleson, Texas, starting this little church here, uh, being a part of this church called uh, St. Matthew then, now it's Pathway. And, man, I just totally kind of forgot all about J.D. and all that sort of thing. And so it's back in May. COVID-19 has hit. We've not been having to worship uh, here in the house. The folks have not. And it's where we're kind of re reigniting. The staff is working off-site. And I was primarily working off-site. But I had to come back to the office. And there was a message taped on the door for me that someone had saw this guy come to the church looking for me. And his name was J.D. And he just had a phone number and said, Ricky, I want you to call him. And I thought, well, I know several JDs. I mean, there's this JD in this church that I played softball with a long time, uh, whose whose daughter grew up in here. I thought well, maybe it's him. I knew another JD I, I met in the community, but it didn't have a last name, so I just called him back. And it was the JD. I mean, it was the JD, and he'd tracked me down. And we were just talking and catching up. And by now, he'd been married, and he had two kids. He had three grandkids. He's very involved in his church back up in Wichita Falls, where we lived back then. And uh, his life was pretty good. And, um, and then he brought up the conversation. Hey, do you remember the conversation? I said, man, do I remember the conversation? And he thanked me a few times. And then he said, hey, I still, and he, he started to take, I, hear, I heard the crinkling of paper. And he had taken it out of his wallet and he turned it onto FaceTime and he showed it to me. He said, do you remember this? I said, man, do I remember this? He said, uh, that sheet of paper uh, saved my life. He said, I no longer have to read them because over time, God has put those reasons in my heart. In your notes, number two, God wants to use me daily as a relentless encourager. God wants to use you daily. Daily, 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 daily to be a relentless encourager in someone's life. Church, you have no idea how one word out of your mouth at the right time in someone's life can be just what they need. A word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of faith, a word of blessing that will just keep them moving forward in their life. You have no idea the power that could be unleashed in another person's life through one word of encouragement through you. Because everyone you see, everyone is going through a battle that you can't see. I think it's obvious we live in a world that is so negative right now, uh, that is so dark, uh, so much stuff is going on. I mean, you, you, you cannot, I don't even like to scroll social media anymore because when I scroll it, I find myself feeling so discouraged. I mean, this morning I, I, I opened up, I was eating breakfast, I opened up a little news app. And I thought, I wish I hadn't have done it. Because <laughs> when I opened up the news, if I saw this stuff that went on all the night, I felt so depressed. Was, oh my gosh, again, we got all this stuff going on. I mean, you just, you just, it's just so easy. It's just everywhere. And everybody's a critic. I mean, everybody's got their, everybody's, hey, I have a license to post my opinion, my thoughts, my feelings as to why that person's a so-and-so and why that idea won't work. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's got to do it. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of sick and tired of all this stuff that's going on. So church family, I am calling you out and I am asking you, 
I am challenging and asking, get off the crazy train. Of all the posting, of all the polar political comments, of all the judgmental condemning, all these bad things about this person and that person and that leader and that person, get off the crazy train and get on the train of Jesus Christ. And be a person who speaks words of hope, words of faith, words of encouragement into people's lives because they need it. Because they need it. I tell you what they don't need. They don't need friends like Job had. Over in Job chapter 16, let me tell you, Job had some friends. Uh, I'm not sure uh, that you would uh, really call them friends uh, because uh, they got up into his business. And Job, the Bible says, was a good man. He was a godly man. I have a whole book about him in the Bible. He was uh, such an unusual godly character. But the evil one gets in his life and unleashes some sort of pandemic in his life. And boy, he just wrecks havoc with his family and with his finances and with his friends. And his friends start getting up into his business when all his whole world's coming apart. And they say, you know what, Job? Job, you're not all that. You think you're all that, Job? All this havoc caused in your life, it's because of you, Job. Uh, you're nothing but a mess up. Uh, your sin, your problem, your mistakes, uh, you think you're so privileged, Job. You didn't earn anything that you have. You just got it. Because, man, it's all on you. I mean, just pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. And right here in chapter 16 and verse 2, here's what Job says to his friends. He says, friends, I have heard many things like this. In other words, I've heard this before. You got any friends in your life? They just keep on talking about the same thing. You go, well, I've, just, I've heard this before. And then look what he says in this next line of verse 2. He said, you are miserable comforters, all of you. you. You got any friends in your life that you're down, you're beat up, and you go, you know what, you're just a miserable comforter. I mean, you're just not good at this. I mean, you're trying to make me feel better, but I just feel worse from being around you. He says, you miserable comforters. Verse 3, I would really love to say what he's saying in verse 3. I wish I had the gall to say this to some people, but my pastor, part of me, just won't let me do it. But maybe I might sometime if I pushed far enough. He said, will your long-winded speeches never end? And, and uh, In other words... Why are you blowing so much hot air in my face? Why are you still talking? Are you still talking? Are you still posting? Why are you doing it? Anybody got anybody you'd like to say, really? Are you still talking? Why are you still talking and posting? Why? You know, that's kind of what he has the guts to say. And then in verse 4, look what he says. Uh, I could also speak like you. If you were in my place, I could make fine speeches against you. I could shake my head at you. In other words, you know, hey, I could do that too. Uh, we could flip the roles, and I could criticize you, and, and I could judge you, and I could tear you down and tell you what you're doing wrong and tell you why that's not going to work. I could do all that to you, but look what he does in verse 5. But, here's what he's really saying. But, if it were me, say that with me. But... If it were me, say it again, but if it were me, my mouth would encourage you. If I were in your shoes talking to me, I would encourage you. I would build you up. I would speak words of hope. I would speak words of faith. If I could, I would be the most powerful, biggest encourager on this side of heaven in your life, and I would try to you bring comfort 
bring you relief from your grief. Why? Because in your notes, number three, the words I speak are filled with power. The words that come out of your mouth, that come out of my mouth, they have the power to crush and they have the power to lift up. Proverbs has so many verses about this. I'll just give you one, verse 21, chapter 18. We'll put it on the screen, I think. It goes like this. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the words out of my life to have life, to bring hope, to bring possibility, to bring truth, even in the midst of the negativity, and speak the truth in love and grace. I want to I bring life into someone's life, not bring death. Because every person you see is going through a battle that you can not see. That's why I think... Uh, the Hebrews writer Rock puts it this way over here in Hebrews chapter 3. I know we're moving pretty quickly here. Hebrews 3, 13. It says this. Put it on the screen. But encourage, but encourage one another. What does it say, church? What does it say? When? Daily. It doesn't say every now and then. It doesn't say every once in a while. Hey, it doesn't say just when you feel like it or the Holy Spirit prompts you or that person is treating you well or they agree with what you think and the way you, you have all your, your, your politics. No, no. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that, I've got those two words circled in my Bible, every time I come across so that, I circle it because the hammer's coming. Here's the hammer. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Somebody tell me, what does sin do? Sin lies. Sin destroys. Sin tears down. Sin tells you what you can't do. Sin tells you you'll never measure up. You'll never hit the mark. You're, I don't know about you. I don't need any people telling me that in my life. I already know where my problems are. I don't need anybody criticizing me. I don't need anybody pointing out all my flaws because I already know them, and I feel guilty enough about them already. Anybody besides me, you already know, I don't need that. I need people speaking hope and life and grace and possibilities into my life. And I'm going to guess, because I need that, I'm going to guess you need it too. And so I'm going to do everything that I can to encourage others and build them up because I'm aware if I need that, if I feel that, they are in the same place that I am. Church, not a day goes by that I don't have these voices in my head that I'm fighting. Rick, you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. You'll never deliver the goods. You're never going to be able to have that stamina. You're never going to, you know, over and over, it's never going to measure up. The churches are going to come back. The church is never going to be the same as it used to be. All those little negative voices in my head all the time. And I got to fight to encourage myself to not get weary. Is anybody like me? Am I the only one? All you all, you're just these rock solid rock stars and everything in your life, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Be a relentless encourager. 
Because I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people you see on the outside that think that, but on the inside. Now, some of you are saying right now, well, Pastor, uh, <laughs> I can't be an encourager. I wasn't wired that way. You see, God wired me to see everything that's wrong. <laughs> I can just walk into a room and boop, it just pops out. And it feels like my job to point out what's wrong. Uh, I have this, this gift of clarity to point out clearly what is wrong. So I don't have to be an encourager. That's not my gift. Oh, well, let's just, let's just test that. Uh, maybe you don't have the spiritual gift of faith. But does that mean that you don't have faith? Uh, maybe you don't have the spiritual gift of giving. Does that mean that I don't have to give if I don't have the spiritual gift of giving? Uh, what about I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism? Does that mean that, that I never share my faith story? Does that mean I never invite one more to have a chance of experiencing a high moment of God's incredible love and grace? And just because I don't have the gift of encouragement doesn't mean I'm not to be an encourager. In fact, I will tell you, those that are here in the house, I can look you in the eyes. And it's a symbol of looking in the eyes of everybody on this screen. You want to give your family a gift? If you're a boss, you want to give the people who work for you a gift? If you're a leader of any kind, of any kind, you want to bless those people? You learn to be an encourager. Because everybody you see is going through a battle that you can't see. So I'm going to give you a couple of simple coaching tips. And here's the first one. And I'll do it in first person. If I think something good about someone, I'm going to express it. If you think something good about somebody, the moment you think it, text it. Email it. Tell them. Did you know this little phone, this little thing right here called your, your, your device? Did you know this thing right here? Did you know that you can actually call people on it? Did you know you can actually put a number in and you, it rings on the other side and you can talk to them besides texting and you can actually tell them and encourage them? Did you know this thing is so miraculous? You can even push a little button and you can see this person, and just like the Jetsons, see this person. Some of you don't even know what that means. See this person and talk to them at the same time, and you can encourage them. Did you, did you know they still, still sell paper that you can write a note and put it in an envelope and mail it to someone and encourage them? Did you know you can still do that? And the moment that you have an affirming, positive, appreciative thought about someone, why would you keep it to yourself? Why would you rob someone of a blessing? Why would you rob someone who's going through something you can't see from being lifted up and blessed in the way that God has touched you to bless them? Why would you do that? I want to say it again. If you are married... If you are dating someone, if you are a parent, if you are a boss or a leader of any kind, one of the greatest gifts you can give the people around you is to learn to be someone who is an encourager. 
Set the blessing free. Set the blessing free. Here's the second tip. I'm going to speak ten encouraging words for every critical word that comes out of my mouth. (laughs) I can't wait to see how this goes down in some homes. Because I know some of you do it by accident. But some of you just do it by nature. I mean, you're just good at it. I mean, they just come out. And I'm just challenging you to rethink that, that for every negative word that you post on social media, you catch yourself. For every negative word that comes out against this staff person, against this employee, against your neighbor, against your, against your kids, that you make a commitment to speak 10 to overcome it. I ran this by a couple of guys at the gym and uh, that I work out with just for the grins, and they said, uh, uh, Rick, uh, I don't think I can do that. You know who I'm married to. That's impossible. That's an unreasonable expectation. I just can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. It will change and transform your relationship if you learn to relentlessly be an encourager. Church, I don't know about you, But I want my kids, and I want my granddaughter and future grandkids to hear me speak spiritual confidence into their life, to hear me speak God's hope into their life, not be hearing any word, not any word out of my mouth, not even a single word that might be ripping them apart, tearing them apart, to make them believe that I'm not for them and I'm not with them that I don't believe in them. I'm going to speak a hundred, a thousand. I'm going, to, I'm going to overdo it to make sure that they know that I am with them and for them. And I would dare say that your God in heaven wants God's people to hear the same thing, that God is for them, God is with them. He will never turn away. And he's counting on the church, you and me, to deliver the message. Be relentless encouragers. And I'm challenging you, if you're someone who has a hard time with this, you make a commitment that you're going to speak 10 positives for every negative. You're going to post 10 positives for every negative. Those two tips right there, if you're married, it'll change your marriage. If you're thinking about getting married, I I know uh, that I can only do what I do uh, because my wife believes in me, Dallas believes in me, and Dallas encourages me. Uh, She sacrifices a lot so I can do what I do. Uh, Folks don't know the full gamut of what I do and when I do and where I do it, but my wife does. And I need her encouragement more than anyone. And I dare say, if you're married, your spouse needs your encouragement more than anyone. I hear this complaint from Christian women all the time. They say, my husband, he's a sorry spiritual leader. He just didn't know how, I mean, they'll be sitting in my office, sitting right in my office, right? And they'll turn to him and say, he's a sorry spiritual leader. And I just want to ask, do you think that's going to encourage him? 
Do, do you think that's going to make him want to try? No. Uh, ladies, I'm just telling you, if you do this all the time, you do this all the time, that's not going to encourage him at all. He's going to take his ball and go play with his friends. You got to look for opportunities to encourage and build up what you want to see. Such as, okay, men, men, men. Let's just say, men, I'm talking to you that are online, men, you're at home right now, or maybe you're watching this in Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of the week, right? Because your family's doing something here on Sunday morning. But you're going to say, I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my house and family from now on, on Sunday mornings. Whether it be 9.30 or 11, we're going to sit together in front of the television together in front of the computer, and we're going to worship God together until we're ready to get back in the house. That's what we're going to do. Ladies, if your husband says that, here's what you do, okay? I'm just going to coach you a little bit. Go up to him and say, hey, honey, can I sit by you the whole time during worship? I'd love that. <laughs> You'll be streaming worship Every night of the week you say that. I mean, because he will be going, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I'm just saying, you got to encourage what you want more of. I'm, I, I just know how men are, okay? I'm just saying uh, you, you got to do that, right? Or, or, or let's say your husband prays. He's a, he, he doesn't hardly ever pray. I mean, he just hardly prays, right? But Thanksgiving comes around, and he, nobody's willing to do it. It's in his house. So he goes, okay, I guess somebody's got to pray. It's Thanksgiving. And it's a, it's a short prayer, maybe three or four words. It's clunky. Uh, God, God, uh, um, thank you for the food. Amen. And ladies, if your husband ever does anything like that, remotely spiritual, just kind of walk up to him, you know, and go, lower your voice. Kind of fluff your hair. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Puff your hair. And go, Baby, I love it when you pray like that. Give him a little kiss on the cheek. Then, if you really, really just kind of go, just go in his ear right when you back away, you will have the most praying man of God of all your friends. He'll be praying in the morning. He'll be praying at night. He'll be praying at lunchtime. He'll be praying. you got to encourage what you want more of. This right here, nah, 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 is just not going to cut it. I don't care where you are in your relationship. you got to encourage and build up one another. Now, here's what I know. Uh, I'm going to think that you're like me, and I'm like you, and that if everyone you see is fighting a battle that you can't see, that means right now you're going through a battle, and that means that I'm going through a battle. And sometimes the encourager needs encouragement. He ever noticed that in a family, in a household, in a, in a workplace? So what do you do when there's nobody there to encourage you? And the encourager needs encouragement. Here's where it is in your notes. Number five, here's the last thing. I will learn how to encourage myself. Wow. I mean, some, some people look at you and they go, man, they have their act together. Woo man, they have. And on the outside, you do. On the outside, man, you got your act together. But on the inside. Uh, you're hurting. You're feeling the stress. Uh, you're feeling the pressure. On the outside, you look so confident. And you are. But so many places on the inside, you're insecure. 
insecure. You're not sure. You have a little bit of doubt about yourself. So what do you do when you find yourself in that place? You've got to learn how to encourage yourself. And I'm going to show you a passage that helps us how to do that. Over in 1 Samuel, over in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, David uh, finds himself coming back from a battle. He and the army had come back. They're coming back to the city of Ziklag. And when they get back from Ziklag, they walk in there, and the whole town's burned down. And all the women and children have been taken captive by an enemy, and they're gone. Can you imagine you're serving in the military, and you're overseas somewhere, and you come back to your home, and your home has been burned down, and your kids and your spouse has been picked up and carried off, and you don't know where they are? Can you imagine the fear and the worry and the anxiety and everything? And, man, that's what they're stressing out. And so what do they do with that? When you feel that way, what do people do? You blame someone. They blamed it all on the leader. Isn't that what people love to do? They love to put all the blame on one person as to why everything is going on. You know what I'm talking about here. And they blame it all on David. They're so upset, it says in verse 6, they talk about stoning him because they were so bitter because their sons and daughters are gone. So look what David does. He's been beat down. He's been discouraged. The last verse, the last line of verse 6, look what David says. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, that Hebrew, found strength, uh, is, is, is found in a word called shazak. C-H-A-Z-A-Q. C-H-A-Z-A-Q, shazak. Say shazak. David realized he needed to get his shazak back, Okay. And so, he, so that means literally he's going to talk to himself. He's going to talk to himself to strengthen himself in the Lord. That's why the King James Version, if you read the King James, it says, David, is what it says, encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged Hey, I remember, hold it here. God is faithful. God is powerful. God is good. God is with me. Okay, he encouraged himself. And then he goes to God and says, well, God, hey, listen, listen, should I go after, uh, down in verse 8, should I go after these people? Should I go back to get the women and kids? Should I do it? And after he encouraged himself, God says there in verse 8, yeah, go get them. Because you will overtake them, David. You will succeed in the rescue. When did the success come? After he encouraged himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. He was ready to go finish the mission and do what God asked him to do. You got to learn how to get your Shazak back. You got to learn how to self talk and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Now, David was an expert about this, but maybe we aren't. Let me ask you, what do we know here? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Here, here's what we know. Stop right here for a second. Push pause. What do we know? Here's what we know. We know that it is very difficult to forget negative things, and we know it's very difficult to remember the positive things. Now, here's how I know that. If you're here this morning... And someone gives you 10 compliments, and you get one criticism. When you get home, you're going to focus on the one criticism. 
Am I lying? That's what we do, because all the neurologists will tell you the science of the brain, the way the brain is wired, you and I are predispositioned in the sinfulness of our nature, of our brain, to believe negative stuff instantly. That's why all that stuff on the news and all the posting and all the Facebook stuff and all the, all the yang, 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 the polarization, when you see that, it instantly goes to your brain and you go to a negative place. And all the science shows that when you hear a positive thing, and this is why you don't hear about them from the news, one positive thing, it takes a full 15 seconds for your brain to even begin to begin to believe it might be true. It is so difficult to forget the negative. And it's so difficult to remember the encouragement and the positive. That's why you've got to learn how to do this. Now, David was the master. Go read the book of Psalms, and in the book of Psalms, you just see David's journal. And there's so much in David in, 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 in his song. If you don't know how to journal, just go read the Psalms. Just read them. You'll learn how to, you'll learn how to journal. It's very private, but it's very personal, much of it of David. And over here in Psalm 42, we have an example. There's three different places in the Psalms where David is feeling so down, and he asks a question, the same question. And I'm going to show you this in Psalm 42, uh, verse 5. He asks himself a question, and here's what he says. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why? Uh, some of you right here, even though you're watching online, you might be stopping this morning asking yourself this question. Why am I so discouraged? Oh, why did I wake up this morning so weary, so tired? Why am I feeling so defeated? Why am I just so frazzled and so stressed out? That's what David asked. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And in the middle of that verse, David switches, and he encourages himself. And he says, put your hope in God. Come on, David. Come on, soul. Put your hope in God. Why, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Why are you so upset? God is faithful. God is good. God is with you. God is just. God is fair. God is true. God, God is omnipotent. Put your hope in God, David. Come on, David, do it. Notice what he didn't say. He said, come on, David, suck it up, buddy. Dig down deep. Come on, David, stop being a wimp. Find a little something within you and get up and go. He didn't do that. He said, soul, put your hope in God. Get your Shazak back. In Him, you find your strength. So, when you're watching the news, 
or you open that app and you start getting sucked into all the gloom and doom, the COVID-19 mentality, all the polarizing politics, and you feel yourself sucked in, sucked in, sucked in, you say, no, my God is all-powerful. My God is all-knowing. My God is my protector. My God is our provider. My God is omnipotent. My God is omniscient. He knew about everything that's going on today before it ever happened. He knew about this COVID-19 before it ever existed. And even then, He is working for the future good in my life and in my family's life. For all those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose, Get your Shazak back. You got to speak the truth into your life. And when someone says to you, you're done, you need to take your toys and go home. We don't need you anymore. Your shelf life is over. You need to retire. You need to be furloughed. You need to go. We got, you got nothing left. You say, no, I'm alive. My God is working in me. The Spirit of God is in me and working through me. I got something left because God says I do. And when you find yourself depressed, and when you find yourself discouraged, and you feel like the best option is for you to check out, check out of the company, check out of the marriage, check out of parenting, check out of church, check out of whatever, because you feel like it'd all be better off without you, and you'd be better off without them. When you feel like JD, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and you just want to go, no, I don't want any part of it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to capture your age. I don't care how old it is, JD was 20. I want you to double it. In my case, that'd be 130. I'm 65. That's a lot of encouragement. And I want you to write down a word, a phrase for every year to encourage yourself when you get that low. No weapon forced against me will prosper. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I, I'm blessed when I came into this world. I'll be blessed when I exit this world. I will be. Uh, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. Uh, my sins are as far as the east as the west from God. I am a child of God. I'm a child of the king. I'm an heir of all the resources of the kingdom of God. I have the mind of Christ. Uh, the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same spirit lives in me. Whoa! I am the handiwork of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works for Him. That's who I am. I am the light of the world. I am a city set on a hill. I am the salt of the earth. I am more than a conqueror. I don't have a spirit of fear. God hasn't given me a spirit of He's given me a spirit of power. He's given me a spirit of love. He's given me a sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I will 
not because of who I am, but because of who he is in me. Church, get off the crazy train. Get off the political train. Get off all the negative COVID-19, all the polarization train on social media, and get on the Jesus train and be the church of Jesus Christ. And because of what he's doing in me and what he's doing in you, we in the world can be a voice of hope. We can be a voice of grace. We can be a grace of truth, a voice of truth, a voice of justice, yes. But we can be a voice of love because the Bible says they will know us by our love. So this Sunday, July the 26th, 2020, I'm calling out Pathway Peeps to be a relentless encourager because the world needs us. there's someone this morning, I just don't want to give platitudes. I hear some of you go, okay, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. Uh, I'm so tired. I'm so beat down. I don't want to insult you by saying that you can just say a few things and you're instantly going to feel better. But here's what I know. God knows what you're going through and God cares. God will never leave you or forsake you. He loves you. He wants to give you relief, not pile it on. And if you just open up your hands to receive his strength and his power, kind of a symbolic way right now, I just want to pray for you. God, I pray for those all over the world. God, I have no idea what people are going through. The pains, the sufferings, the fear, the darkness, the anxiety, the stress, the uncertainty, the financial worry. God, the marital strife, this, this illness, this COVID-19. God, it's just got them paralyzed and fearsome, God. And then we have this political situation that's got so many people just disgusted, God. Oh, Lord. I just pray you would encourage them, God, right where they are, to know reasons why they are value and they love you and you love them, God. I just pray you would make that known. And just to anybody who can hear my voice, if you would please say yes to accepting the challenge. I just, I need a little encouragement. Would you please encourage me, even online or in the house? By just raising your hand, you say, God, here I am. God, use me to be an encouragement. God, here I am. Use me. If you're watching online, just kind of raise your hand. Put your hand there on a comment. Use me, God. God, here I am. Use me in this world to be a relentless encourager of hope and possibility in the people's life. God, use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Just and, and, and to anyone. Just, just a moment. Just, just to, I, just got to, I just have to do this because there's some of you. Uh, you're not even sure if you believe in God. And you're not sure where you stand with God. And I want you to know God believes in you. And you maybe feel so guilty. You feel so broken. You feel so lost for something in your life. How you manage yourself in these past four months. And you've kind of gone off the deep end. And you feel so distant. You've run from God and run from the church. I want you to know here's your standing. And your standing is that God loves you just the way you are. <laughs> he does. And God loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus, his perfect son Jesus, to die upon the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. And when he died, they put him in a tomb, but the tomb couldn't keep him. And the tomb, his power raised him out. 
And Jesus just didn't defeat death. He defeated hell. He defeated every single kind of hell you're going through right now. And there's nothing, nothing in your life he will not deliver you from. But he's not going to force himself. You've got to invite him in. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. If you will just invite me in, I will come in and sup with you and be in a relationship with you. And I will encourage you and forgive you and help you get stronger and get you through this. But you've got to invite me in. And if you would do that right now, whether you're in the house or you're online, if you would do that right now, just, just kind of say it. God, I need your grace. I need you, God. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need to start over, God. I need a fresh start. I'm not even sure if I believe in you, God, but I want to believe in you because I know I need something, God. And you would just say, please, God, God, come into my life. And God, I want to be in your life. And God, I want you to use me to help make the world better, not bitter. And if you have done that, just... Please, please let us know, and we'll come alongside you and help you take your next step. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, this is our testimony. Come on, sing it out. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Story, I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. Testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, from death to life. Yeah. Come on, if you have a testimony. for just a second, but if you're joining us online, thank you so much for being with us today. We can't wait to see many of you next weekend in the house, and of course, right here online, 9, 30, and 11 a.m. We'll see you then. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.